Clarissa, you can start. Good evening. My name is Clarissa Pickens and I will be your moderator for this evening's class. Welcome to another lecture given by members of the Southfield, Michigan class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denomination, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We hold class in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in 1997. At this time, I would like to introduce to you the Dean, Dr. Marvin Lewis, and the Vice President, Dr. Edward, I'm sorry, and the President, Dr. Edward Yule. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many, but we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any letters or characters in their alphabet that will produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of the Heavenly Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart 
to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man cannot perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple, that intelligent question we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by a divine pattern of the universe. It is called a divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The constitutional objectives and or aims of the Institute are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity and Yahshua the Messiah without the distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth, 
to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. And at this time, and at this time we'll have a prayer by Dr. Philip Crook from our Saginaw, Michigan class, followed by our scripture lesson this evening, which will be Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and that will be read by Dr. Brandon Craig. Dr. Crook, are you there? Good evening, class. Good evening. Let us all ball our hearts and mind as we pray to our Savior, Yahshua Messiah, that he give each and every one of us a good understanding of this lecture that we're about to endure today. We ask that we get this understanding in righteous and that he keep us in righteous. We ask all these things in our brother and Savior name, Yahshua the Messiah, hallelujah. Good evening, class. I'll be reading Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and I'll be reading that from the Holy Name Bible containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts and revised by Lady B. Trainer. It's Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Yahshua, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of Yahweh. For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted, pardon, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of Yahweh, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom Yahweh loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, Yahweh dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see Yahweh. 
looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of Yahweh, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For ye are not come unto the mount that might not be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the word and the voice of words, which voice that they had. Pardon, let me start again. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was committed. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living Elohim the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and congregation of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to Yahweh the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Yahshua the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refuse him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve Yahweh acceptably with reverence and fear, for our Elohim is a consuming fire. That was Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'd like to say good evening to the class once again. And for our scripture readers this evening, uh, there'll be Drs. Brandon Craig and Dr. Felicia Hamilton. And I'm happy to call on our first speaker, from our Gates, New York class, Dr. Gary Myers. Dr. Myers? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, okay. we can. All right. Good evening, everybody. I uh, certainly appreciate um, Southfield class putting this room on. Um, for the moderator, for the prayer, for the host. And um, also certainly appreciate that Yahshua has given me anything to say about um, him and his great purpose, pattern and plan. Um, Y'all might wish that I get into Ash Wednesday and Lent. That was sarcastic. <laughs> um, but if you didn't know, <laughs> uh, Ash Wednesday was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And it's the beginning of 
one of the most holiest um, periods of the Catholic world or maybe some of the Christian world. <clears throat> and, you know, that's why Tuesday is called Fat Friday Tuesday. Because mm -hmm. it's about self-indulgence. And uh, before the self-sacrifice that they um, duly try to make during these uh, during Lent, which is supposed to be 40 days, uh, maybe attributed to Yahshua being taken into the desert for 40 days. They're Jesus. Um, also, why New Orleans usually has a Mardi Gras, which they couldn't do this year. Um, just self-indulgence before the self-sacrifice, which is kind of a farce in a way. Um, example, giving, giving up meat on Fridays. So they go out and have a lavish fish dinner, right? It's not much of a self-sacrifice. But that's what my parents used to do. I used to be Catholic. I was there. I was. I'd done it. Um, but uh, this is all about the flesh, um, and we know that this covenant isn't about the flesh. It's about the spirit, and um, they de they degenerated back into um, worshiping and trying to glorify their God with the flesh. Um, but it uh, came around again. It happened 2,000 years ago, came around again after Dr. Kinley set up this school to show that it's about the spirit a doctrine come in and now we have uh, a falling away back into the flesh of many of the members. <clears throat> um, and, you know, it's like the Galatians word says, who have bewitched you, right? And it's starting out in the spirit or taking you out of the flesh into the spirit and regressing back into the flesh <clears throat> is what we've been seeing. And um, that's really what they're looking at because if you um, are going to worship a Dr. Kinley or a uh, Dr. Harris, you're worshiping a flesh. You're not worshiping what's in the person, which is it is Joshua. That's right. Um, the Holy Spirit. He is the one we should be attributing to every everything that we have. And um, you cannot give credit to the flesh. <clears throat> um, and what I'm going to get into, um, we might, we might um, go back to that as we go along. I, I wanted to work on this for quite a while and it turns out that it kind of um, goes along with what's going on with the IDMR 
um, headquarters and um, us trying to put on Zoom classes, the, the rift um, that's going on here and them, you know, trying to keep us from, and I don't know if they really realize that that's exactly what they're doing, but trying to keep us from preaching the true gospel. Um, and the question is, who is the power and authority here? Are we preaching under the power and authority of the IDMR or are we preaching under the authority of Yahshua and Messiah? And um, if it's under the power of Yahshua the Messiah, nothing is going to keep us from preaching as long as the opportunity is there. Yahshua, of course, has to give us that opportunity. He did that even after we had to isolate or quarantine ourselves into our houses and couldn't put on the classes um, physically. He gave us that platform and we've taken advantage of it. And because of that, by spirit <laughs> and through virtu you know, virtuality, the, which represents spirit, um, this virtual, these virtual classes, um, we're able to reach the four corners of the earth. And uh, that's, that's the whole idea, right? So um, we don't want to be, you know, they're trying to hinder that, but they can't succeed as long as Joshua gives us that opportunity because uh, we're going to see how we're preaching according to his power and authority. Uh, so um, what I want you to get first, if you could, um, Jeremiah, one and nine, please. Jeremiah one and nine. Then Yahweh put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And Yahweh said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. So I know we can uh, go to other different verses to get the same principle, but it's Yahweh putting the words in our mouth. What are we going to do with that? We're going to suppress it. You know, it's like um, the tokens. You're given a token, um, a talent, not token, but I have crypto tokens on my mind. <laughs> um, not tokens, but uh, the, the talents, uh, the, the parable of the talents. When they're given a um, certain amount of talents, they, they um, double them because it's like giving us the word and then we reiterate the word that was given to us. We teach what we learned. It was given to us freely and we give it out freely and then others hear it and they received what we received. So we can, we have the can't help it. When Yahshua gives us that word, puts it right in our mouth and uh, we're going to preach it. Can you go to Hebrews 1 and 1, please? It's Interesting, I had Hebrews on my mind and we read Hebrews. Maybe we can get to what was in um, chapter 12. There was something read in chapter 12 that you will see in chapter one as well. Um, so let's start at Hebrews one and one, please. And uh, while we're doing that, if, can you get, um, can the host get the elementary chart and go to the top and all the way to the right, the, um, the last, 
um, circle there. If you can zoom into that, please. Okay, you can go ahead and read. Hebrews 1 and 1. Sorry about that. Elohim, who had sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So this is like summing up who Yahshua is and what his purpose is. And remember, this is written to the Hebrews or those who still look at the flesh and want waiting for um, a physical Messiah to come and be a physical king for them. And he's trying to explain here that your Messiah has come, your king has come, but he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, spiritual heaven, a spiritual kingdom. And um, this is a whole new way of looking at things for them, but what Yahweh had in mind right along. And we go to the law and prophets to prove these things because we were given the tools to do so. But they didn't have the tools. They have to be given the tools to understand that. Just like um, uh, Yahshua gave um, or was going to give Peter the, the keys to heaven, those keys are like tools. Those were the laws, law and the prophets. How to go to the law and the prophets to prove these things that are spiritual that cannot be seen. So it has to be, you have to have ears to hear it because you can't see it physically. You have to have an eye of understanding. Um, but he talks about how Yahshua uh, was an heir of these things. And by inheritance, he obtained a more excellent name. Uh, did we get that? No, we didn't get to that. And um, but but we did get to that. He's sitting at the right hand of the Majesty on high, and that was that was um, reiterated in uh, chapter twelve that we read earlier. Uh, but go ahead, keep reading four, please. Four, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which he, the angels he inherited a more excellent name than they. It's Yahshua. And what how excellent can that be? That's Yahweh is salvation. That is, he who causes to exist is your salvation. The one that you've been looking at, the one you've been preach, uh, uh, praising and praying to and um, worshiping, he is the one. He, not some somebody coming out of the bloodline, the physical bloodline of Judah that's going to come in and be your savior. This is someone who came directly from um, the father, your spiritual father. Okay. Okay. Uh, go ahead back with five now. 
For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee? And again I will be to him as a father, and he shall be to me a son. Mm -hmm. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of Elohim worship him. And of the angels he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire? Who makes his angels spirits, and his ministers, are we ministers? His ministers, a flame of fire. Is the um, headquarters going to put out this, these fires? Because that's what they're trying to do. When you have ministers of fire, only Yahweh can put them out. <clears throat> Go ahead. Um, keep reading. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O Elohim, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And that, by the way, comes from Psalms 45, 6. <clears throat> a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And I, th that's the, what I wanted to get into, the scepter. What does a scepter mean? Um, what does it show forth? Um, because it, it goes way back to Genesis. And, uh, and and probably could go back further than that. Could you get uh, a definition of scepter out of the Strong's? And can we get El the Elohim book, volume four, page 43? Oh, wait, before you do that, um, can you zoom in a little bit more to that circle? because I want everybody to see what he's holding there. That's Joshua holding the, um, holding the scepter, sitting on the throne. <clears throat> and uh, it's really what it's showing forth is power and authority, the scepter. And there's varieties of scepters. There's what they would call rods or um, shepherd staffs, staffs. But a scepter is more about um, um, being in a position of a king holding onto that rod or uh, staff. Yeah, almost got it, a little bit down. <laughs> or, uh, so you, you see him holding that scepter there, see? And uh, I just wanted to hone in on that so everybody can see. Not all of them show that, but um, I think underneath it shows it too, in unity of the spirit. Um, and then I don't know if you can bring that up, uh, Felicia. Um, yes, we can, what volume? Mm -hmm. if, if it's not too hard to bring it up, otherwise we'll just- Oh, it's not, what volume? Uh, volume four, page mm -hmm. 43. Okay, let me bring it over for you. Mm -hmm. All right, let me bring it over for you one second. Because I know the, um, 
the rift is, you know, do we have the power, do, do we have the authority to be preaching? Mm -hmm. okay. And I, I just kind of want to show you, there's different ways of showing it, but I just want to show through this scepter how that it has followed through. Um, age, you know, ages and dispensations, the law and the prophets into this age. And who's holding on to this scepter, see? <clears throat> Is this the page you wanted, Gary? Okay. I, let's go up a little bit. Hmm. I don't see it on there. Uh, oh, are you looking for? I can do a search. I'm looking for Judah with the scepter. That's the bottom of page 44, volume four. Okay. Thank you, Brandon. Whatever I was using, I guess it was messed up a little. Mm, that's okay. Is it 44? Yes. All right. 44, here we go. Okay, very good. Can one of the readers read that? Go ahead, Brandon. Judah with the scepter in Babylonian captivity. According to the prophecy of Jacob in Egypt concerning his 12 sons, especially in reference to Judah in Genesis 49 and 10, which reads as follows. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh, Yahshua the Messiah, not Peter or the Pope of Rome, come and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So he points out, he does this a lot. He points out that um, it's not Peter, it's not the Pope of Rome. Um, just like he, he always points out who the intercessor, the true intercessor is, which is Yahshua. It's not, not these, uh, anyone else, not anybody who's in the flesh, it's Yahshua. Because he has to be in you and that's where the intercessor has to be. So here in reference to Shiloh, which, you know, Shiloh, um, if you look it up, it means tranquility, peace, he who holds on to, um, he's the one, okay, they can give us that. <clears throat> not Peter, not the Pope, or anyone else. Um, okay, but he, so he, um, he quoted 49.10, that's where you can find that, that the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Um, Go ahead, read. There are some who claim that the scepter did depart from Judah when the tribe of Judah was taken into captivity to Babylon. This is not true, however, because it was Yahweh that made the covenant with Abraham concerning himself. Isaac, Jacob, and the sons of Jacob or the children of Israel, Genesis 12 and 3, Genesis 17, 1 and 2. Just as Yahweh, being angry with Israel, suffered Satan to move David to number Israel. Yahweh also moved Satan, incarnated in Nebuchadnezzar at that time, having the mark of the beast 666 in his forehead and in his hand, to invade Jerusalem and carry the tribe of Judah into captivity, and the two Babylons contained herein. Okay, so he's... Um... 
suggesting that Nebuchadnezzar was Satan, um, that he had the mark of the beast, 666, which is talked about in Revelation 13, 15, 18. And, um, and how he talks about that Jerusalem, uh, that, that he invaded Jerusalem and uh, carried the tribe of Judah into captivity and recognized that he said that it was Yahweh that moved Nebuchadnezzar to do this. And he did it because of, well, basically because of uh, um, the consequences of their sin. Now it says, just real quick, it talks, it says the two Babylons contained herein. So um, if you're unfamiliar with the two Babylons, it's, it's a book that was written um, about the mystery Babylon. So it's called two Babylons because you have the physical Babylon and you have the, um, the spiritual Babylon. Um, so that the, 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 the characteristics, the beliefs of physical Babylon carried on um, on this side of the cross. The name Babylon isn't used, but those principles were carried on into the Catholic Church and whatnot. So um, if you're on, if you were in captivity under Babylon as Jews before the cross, you can now be uh, under in, in captivity of spiritual Babylon or mystery Babylon on this side of the cross. Um, and if you were to be a spiritual Jew, you are to be taken out of that captivity. And that's why it says in uh, Revelations, come out of her, my people. We're talking about coming out of that situation, coming out of that state of being deceived by mystery Babylon, which is a worse state than the physical Jews were in physical Babylon, because you're talking about something spiritual, eternal. Um, but the two, so the two Babylons was a was a book, and there's a, there's a there's another book that because two Babylons it was very it's kind of dry, um, long written. Um, it, it has a lot of the origins of the uh, different um, holidays or holy days and Easter and Christmas and all that in there. A lot of monuments and statues and all kinds of stuff. Um, where the origins came from. It's a very good book, but it's kind of long written and kind of dry. And I know there's another one out there. I don't know the name of it that summarizes it. So it's easier to read, but uh, if anybody's interested, uh, something to look into. Um, but anyways, and I'm sure when people read that, it's like, okay, we got to get that book. <laughs> so a lot of people did get that book and a lot of people used to bring them to bring it to class. Um, can you get Daniel 3, 1, and 5? Stay there um, here with the uh, volume 4. But um, I want to point out how Nebuchadnezzar had that mark of the beast on it, if we can really quick. Mm -hmm. That's Daniel 3 and 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Okay, so three score cubits would make 60. Um, score meaning 20. So three times 20 is 60. So 60 cubits. So you got the six there. 
and then the breadth of six cubits. So you get the two sixes there. Now jump to five right now. We'll go mm -hmm. to two and four in a minute. Fifers, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king have set up. Okay, so that's the image that you know we're talking about here, and um, he wants everybody to um, <clears throat> to worship it and fall, you know, fall down to worship it. And he said, when those musical instruments are played, and guess what? There's six, six of them. So you have the third six right there, and then you're now worshiping something that's. <laughs> 60 feet high and six, 60 cubits high and six cubits wide. Um, okay, let's start over again. And we're gonna get get, get another uh, uh, witness to who he is. Uh, start at one again. Daniel three and one. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together into the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then, and Harold cried aloud. Okay, you, I, um, so most of us understand that Satan being the god of this world, he rules by three ways. He rules by religion, politics, and economics. So what we see here when he gathered everybody together, he's gathered the governors, which represents the politicians. He gathered the treasurers, which represent the, econo econ the economy. And of course, the religion is the worshiping of the, um, the, the image. So you have those three working there as well. So. Um, Along with that, just, you know, if you see or hear so-and-so has the mark of the beast and so see, see if you can see these things set up with, you know, whether it's Pharaoh or uh, King of Tarsus or whoever it might be, um, if you can see those indicators, you know, because that, that's what we do to, um, to solidify our faith. All right, um, let's go back to, uh, to the Elohim book, um, I think we're at, therefore, during the whole mm -hmm. 70 years. Yes. Therefore, during the whole 70 years of captivity, Yahweh defended this tribe when they were in Babylon and, he, and thereafter, or until the coming of the Messiah, unto whom the gathering of the people should be. So he's pointing out that he, was, he defended the tribe of Judah while in Babylon until Messiah, and he points out when the gathering of the people should be. Okay, read. Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and breadth six cubits. 
and set this image up in the plain of Dura and issued a decree that everyone who failed to fall down before it should be put to death. For example, the Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, leaders of the Hebrews, failed to fall down, and they were put in the fiery furnace, heated one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Nebuchadnezzar later returned to the furnace and saw four men walking in the midst of the fire, and the four of them were not hurt. The form of the fourth man was like the son of Yahweh, who was Shiloh, that was to come, and unto him was the gathering of the people to be. So it's kind of the, you know, the um, <clears throat> prophecy uh, showing forth here in the furnace, because there was a fourth one. It had to be, because Shiloh had to be there. All right, go ahead, Reed. Another example pointing up to the fact, uh, pardon me, another example pointing up the fact that the scepter had not departed from Judah is the instance of Daniel's being placed into the den of lions because he prayed three times a day to his Yahweh Elohim, despite the fact that King Darius had established a decree that every man who asked of Yahweh or man within 30 days, save of thee, King Darius, that man would be placed into the den of lions. These examples prove that the scepter did not depart from Judah and the prophecy did not fail. So when, you know, if you remember Daniel being placed in there, um, the mouths of the lions were shut by spirit or by Shiloh. In other words, you could see the tranquility or the peace there that, all right, you're standing in the middle of these lions and they can't open their mouths. They'd, they'd kind of give you some peace on that. <laughs> and, um, and I think it's pointed out, you know, I have um, heard it worded this way that he is, Daniel is from the tribe of Judah and the lion is represented represents Judah. So, you, you know, a lion isn't going to eat a lion, right? And the same with the fiery furnace. If they are flames of fire, fire isn't going to burn them, right? And um, <clears throat> and that's who they represented there. Um, okay. Can we get, uh, uh, let's get Exodus 14 and 5. Now, before we read this, um, this is going to be after the Red Sea when um, Moses brings Egypt out of there. And uh, what I want you to understand is that Moses being given Aaron's rod, and we read about Aaron's rod over and over again through Exodus and how he used that rod, beginning with uh, um, when uh, Yahweh told him to throw it down on the, uh, on the earth to, and it turned into a serpent. And, um, and then he was able to grab it by its tail. And then he took it down to Israel and, and, and did the same thing down there, along with, as we know, the miracle with the hand and uh, uh, leprosy. And it was to show Moses, to show Israel who has the power and the authority. That rod is a type of scepter in a sense. It's showing forth the power and um, authority and power of Yahweh. And later he, he took it into the um, Pharaoh's court. And yeah, why don't you get that? Um, IRS chart, 
um, at the bottom there. He, uh, he took it into Farrell's court and he threw down the rod, I think, uh, and then uh, the two uh, magicians, um, Jamers, Jamer, I can't say the name right now. Jairus and Jamers, right? Yeah, Janice, Janice and Jamers. I'm not good with English, so. Um, they threw down their rods and uh, Moses' rod, they all turned into serpents, but Moses' rod um, swallowed up the other two to show them who has the authority here in Egypt. Um, and it's a, that was a tough one to swallow because they knew they were the kingdom of all kingdoms. So they had the gods of all gods and um, don't mess with us. But uh, there was a warning to them. Of course, they weren't going to be able to see it. And then, of course, we know um, after the, the plagues and many, many times in those plagues, he was in, Moses was instructed to, to uh, hold his rod up to the sky to bring on the next plague. Um, then we get down to uh, the Red Sea after the plagues and um, Phil's coming after them. Uh, he's told to raise that rod up to see the salvation of Yahweh and how he was going to part the sea. Um, but what I, we know these things pretty well, but this one we don't talk about too much, this event which would be Exodus 14 and five. Well, first get, uh, get Luke 20 and, and one first, just to lay a little foundation. Um, because um, to follow through a little bit more with, um, with the scepter, how we read that in Genesis, it said it will not leave the tribe of Judah, and it was safe and secure with Judah through Babylon. And then, you know, Dr. Kinley pointed out right through until Yahshua comes in. So Yahshua comes in in the line of Judah, not the bloodline, but, you know, in principle came in in the line of Judah. And he now is carrying the scepter while walking around the earth plane. And that's, that's what I want to point out. So if you can read that. That is uh, Luke 20 and 1. And it came to pass that on one of those days, as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes came upon him with the elders and spake unto him, saying, Tell us, by what authority dost thou do these things? So who's he preaching? <laughs> He's preaching mm -hmm. the gospel. And then what are they asking him? By what authority? Mm -hmm. Does it sound familiar? <laughs> Doesn't that sound a little bit familiar now, now what's going on? Mm -hmm. See, but we know he's holding on to that scepter. We know that he has the authority to do what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And they're questioning him. By what authority? Mm -hmm. um, because they don't like what he's preaching. They don't like it. It's against what they're preaching. It's against what they're doing. It's against their agenda, right? right? Didn't you get um, Revelations 3 and 20, please? <clears throat> Revelation 3 and 20. 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. And no, this is, yeah, this is Yahshua speaking. Okay, go ahead. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Go ahead. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that so, hath an ear. He, so this is now after his death, burial, and resurrection and sitting in the throne and receive the power and the authority, okay? Um, did you finish 21? Of uh, Luke? Yeah, no, uh, Revelation 3, 20, did you finish 21? Yes. Okay, can you read 21 again? Revelation 3 and 21, to him, that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. So you who overcometh, overcometh what? Overcometh the, the, the state that we were in before we understood the truth. That's what we had to overcome. Although it's not us that they're overcoming, we know that Joshua is overcoming it. But that's what we have to overcome, to sit on the throne with him, to have this power and authority. That, that those, well, how do we say it all the time? The, the theories, concepts, opinions, and what, it, what we read it, you know, it, it said before class, every time, the fifth aim to expedite current superstitions Skepticism, ignorance, those things have to be overcome. And once they're overcome, you can sit on the, we now sit on the throne with them. And we have the power and authority of that scepter. We are holding on to that scepter. That's what we're holding on to. Whenever, you know, when you get up on the floor, <laughs> we haven't done it in a while, have we? Actually got up on the floor. What are we given? We're given a, a, a pointer. But that pointer is like a rod. It's like our scepter. When we're given that pointer to speak, who stays silent? The, the bride stays silent because we are now representing the husband. We are now representing Yahshua up there doing the preaching. We now have the power and authority in, in that sense. All right. And um, so the, the pointer is, in a sense, symbolizes that, see? But it doesn't matter whether we're physically on the floor, we spiritually are holding on to it. We're speaking according to the law and the prophets, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, we're, and we're preaching according to um, what was taught to us that, that caused us to overcome these things. We now have the power and authority to help others to overcome theirs so they can enter the kingdom along with us. Okay, um, so I, you know, I wanted to show how that scepter, it's like, it's, it, it was as, it was carried down through the physical Jews taken by Yahshua through his ministry. And then he takes it up into the, um, 
up into the state of heaven, sitting at the right hand and then giving it to the spiritual Jew. Okay, how it went from the physical Jew to the spiritual Jew. Okay, um, so let's go back to, now the reason why we're kind of regressing back to now to the law and to the Moses, I wanted to point out how that power and authority through the rod, through Aaron's rod, uh, in this case, um, is showing forth that power and authority as well. Um, so uh, Exodus 14 and 5. This is a uh, um, event where they, Yahweh through Moses had Joshua and Israel fight against a particular enemy. And I'm not going to get into the reason for the fight, I want to get into the, the principle of the fight, but go ahead. It's Exodus 14 and 5, and it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his oh, servants. I'm sorry, that ain't, <laughs> that ain't the right one. That's the one where they come up to the Red Sea. Let's go, let's, yeah, Oh, let's go ahead and read it. it, it it's, it's a good, it's good to read. Let's go ahead and read it. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all of the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And Yahweh heartened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with an, with an high hand. No, no, we hear it over and over again. He hardened his heart, he hardened his heart, he hardened his heart. But recognize that is really what Yahweh's looking at. He's looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart of, of anyone who's trying to preach and anyone who's trying to hinder the preach. And that's, that's what's really going on. That, to him, that's what he's looking at, the heart. And that's, that's another discourse, but um, it's always good to keep that in mind that you know, we can't focus on the physical actions of people or whatnot so much is what's going on in the heart that we don't normally know. It's only that Yahweh knows. Um, no one knew back then that his heart was being hardened, except that Moses was told it would be. But uh, go ahead. My first, but the Egyptians pursued after them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, and his army men and his army, and overtook them encamping by the sea, besides Pihahorath before Belzephon. Oh, good job of that. <laughs> and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were so afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto Yahweh. Okay, so they did not um, remember how much <laughs> how, how much power and authority Yahweh had over them. They just forgot. Okay, they didn't have the, it didn't penetrate into their stony hearts, because that's what they had. They had stony hearts. Go ahead, read. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? 
It is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Yahweh shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So the, the power and authority is being shown forth when he lifts up that rod. And um, this is all a buildup of a chaotic, stressful, desperate, perilous time that they were put into, hopeless and anxious situation. Does it sound familiar, folks? Do we, any of us get into those situations, um, especially physically? Um, but remember what you're holding on to. Remember, we have to remember that we have the scepter. We have that which can overcome anything. And um, not to the way we think it might get overcome, but uh, it, it, it still will happen. We, and, and I know it's been said, the situation was put there by Joshua, so it's going to be Joshua that will take us out of it. For the um, purpose of edifying his sons, edifying and uh, building up his sons to, to, to increase their any, any of the attributes. Okay. Um, can you, so the definition of rod, I know I could have you look it up, but you know, oh, you can look it up if you want, but it means staff or rod or shaft. Um, it means branch mm -hmm. or a tribe. A tribe mm -hmm. is a branch, right? A branch from um, Jacob. Um, so we know that a vine, the vine is Joshua and it has branches, right? So he gives that rod to each one of us, right? Um, can you get Isaiah 11, one, please? Okay, I see the five minute bell. Isaiah 11 and one. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of Yahweh. Okay, so it shows forth that rod coming out of Jesse, which is Joshua. <clears throat> um, so let's get Exodus 17 and eight, please. We'll, we'll um, go through that event to close out. That's Exodus 17 and 8. Oops, I'm sorry. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, 
Choose us out men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of Yahweh in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Yahshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And Yahweh said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it to the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Okay, can you get uh, Ephesians 6, 17? So um, Amalek is a uh, descendant of Esau. Now, we, we, we read about Esau um, in uh, scripture reading tonight, how he sold out his birthright for, um, for food and um, representing that he, showing forth that his, the flesh was more important to him than spirit. So he, he inheriting the flesh while I, um, Jacob inheriting the spirit in, in, in principle. And so the descendants of Amalek, or the descendants of Esau, which here Amalek is a descendant, so they're representing the flesh. And Israel, of course, is representing the spirit so you have spirit fighting against flesh. That's what this is representing. And which is, of course, what we do all the, all the time. We're always fighting against the flesh. Um, you know, Dr. Kinley used to say uh, he would beat, beat the old Dr. Kinley down every day when he can get up. Um, so, it, and, and that's really what we're doing with uh, headquarters. It's fighting against flesh. Uh, and it, it's not a spiritual fight in that sense. Um, go ahead and, and then it says it, uh, in 13 it talks about the edge of the sword okay so he fought them by the edge of the sword so I want you to put this together to see what we're fighting with um, Ephesians 6 and 17 please Ephesians 6 and 17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of Yahweh. So the sword of the spirit, which is the word of Yahweh. Didn't we start out with he give up, he put the words in our mouth? Okay. That's like as a sword. That's what we're fighting with, our preaching. Um, and uh, I wanted to um, point out also that a shepherd's staff also represents the same thing, like the power and authority. And of course, the aid of the sheep, that's what he used it for. But if, we can't, we're not going to read it now. But if you read where David went up against Goliath, we think about the, the stones and the, 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 the swing, the, what is it? How he killed... Um, Goliath, mm -hmm. what is that? The, the stone, the sling, mm -hmm. sling in the stone. slingshot, mm -hmm. slingshot. 
And but it also says that he he picks up his staff when he goes up against them, representing again the power and authority of Yahweh. So you can see see how these principles work with the shepherd and his staff as well. Um, and I, I'm hoping that uh, what I lay down with this and with these um, principles um, makes some sense to you and that you're able to see how it lines up that I didn't leave anything untied. Uh, and um, you can take some of these things and apply them to <clears throat> other events or um, in your life. Um, but with that, I really appreciate your attention and please all praises to Yahshua and the Messiah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Hallelujah. Dr. Myers. Thank you. And for our, for our second speaker this evening, from our Southfield, Michigan class, we have Dr. Felicia Hamilton. Dr. Hamilton? I'd like to say good evening to the class. And I am, I'm sitting here listening to uh, the previous vessel speak and Yahweh just had so much running through my mind and he told me now, you know, you gotta say something. I wanted to pull all the things Dr. Myers said together with the scripture lesson because it absolutely corresponds to the scripture that we read today. And just for your information to let you know that this, this is one spirit that is operating in us, just like um, when Moses was talking to the children of Israel. See, Yahweh, when you're a part of the body of Yahshua the Messiah, you think the same thing. Yahweh gives you all the same thoughts and you think of the same things almost at the same time. So the scripture lesson was actually given to me by someone else. And it was amazing to me that Dr. Myers actually went into something that corresponds with that scripture lesson. So if you could read uh, Hebrews 12, start that off for me, please. And I'm gonna, I'm asking Yahweh to give me uh, the right words to say and to, to place my words in order so that I can convey an understanding of what um, he's, he was showing me during this whole discourse. So go ahead, please. Hebrews 12 and one. Mm -hmm. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight now you have to go back and read Hebrews 11 to hear about those great the cloud of witnesses. And I'm gonna just, you know, um, Dr. Craig, I'm gonna work you. Um, if you don't mind, pick up Hebrews 11 and one, because we need to understand that Yahweh, because we are his children, and it's gonna go in that in Hebrews 12, but because we are his children, he always gives us some evidence of himself and he always gives us witnesses to speak to who he is and what he means. Yahweh's never not exposed those things to his sons. He hasn't exposed them. He has exposed them to the world, but he gave his sons a revelation. And we get that by having the Holy Spirit in us. So pick up Hebrews first chapter, I'm sorry, 11 and one, Dr. Craig. Hebrews 11 and one. Mm -hmm. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, if you if you want, you can go back and everywhere you see faith, not you, Dr. Craig, not right now, this is school, so it's homework. Everywhere you see faith, you place the name of Yahshua there. So go ahead and keep reading as you see it, Dr. Craig. Should I start over at 11 and 1? Yes, please. Now, Yahshua is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
So let's let's pause right there. Oh my gosh, he has so much going through my mind. So what do you what do you mean, Felicia, by saying you can place Yahshua there? Well, if you read what it's saying, it's if Yahshua is the substance of things hoped for. Now, what we learned in this school, and it was only through a divine vision and revelation that was given to our founder, Dr. Kinley, that we know these things. None of us were smart enough to put all of this together. Yahweh had to reveal it to all of us. So Yahweh, and if you listen to the moderator, she said, Yahweh is pure spirit. In this shape and form, we can't comprehend him. We can't understand him. We can't detect him in any way. So in order for us to know who he is, in order for his children to know who he is, he had to make a way for us to understand him. So what Yahweh then did, he moved from the pure spirit state, not all of Yahweh, just a portion of him because Yahweh is all that there is. So it doesn't take all of Yahweh to do anything. So he moved from this pure spirit state into a, an invisible shape and form, which, we, which is known as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son. Why is it the son? Because it was the first creation that Yahweh and pure spirit created. But unless you have a vision and a revelation, you won't see this shape and form. So then Yahweh Elohim had to then move himself into a physical body, which is concrete that you can touch, you can hold, you can see. That is the physical manifestation of something invisible. Therefore, faith, Yahshua, is the substance of things hoped for. You don't see pure spirit or Yahweh in incorporeal form. You see Yahshua the Messiah in this pure, in this heavenly, I'm sorry, in a specially prepared body. So this is the substance of those things that are hoped for. Because remember, Yahweh is the source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. So really everything you see is made of pure spirit. That means everything you see is some form or another of Yahweh. But Yahweh came in the body, in the specially prepared body of Yahshua the Messiah to, to bring in salvation for the world or for his sons. Okay, um, uh, Dr. Craig, go ahead and read chapter, I'm sorry, verse two. Hebrews 11 and two. And instead of saying it, say Yahshua. For by Yahshua, the elders obtained a good report. Mm -hmm. Through Yahshua, we understand that the ages were ordained by the word of Elohim, so that things which were not in evidence are now seen coming to pass. Mm -hmm. By Yahshua, Abel offered unto Yahweh a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, Yahweh testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Now, I, I want to stop just for a minute because I want to clarify something I'm saying because when you read that scripture the way I have Dr. Craig reading it, you would say, well, Yahshua wasn't back there. So remember, Yahshua the Messiah came was born again into a virgin um, from a virgin mary in this body in this body he took on the form as the savior of the world but all through the scriptures and all throughout time yahweh always was in a body somewhere or he was the holy spirit manifested and and appearing to men to give them the things that he wanted them to know like it says about abraham through faith 
Abraham received. Well, what, what are you talking about? The faith was Yahweh Elohim coming to Abraham in a dream and telling him, you're going to have a son, you and your wife of your old age. So when you think about Yahshua, don't just think of him in a physical body. Think of him in or out of a physical body. That's why we say the Holy Spirit is manifested in and out of a physical body. So that is Yahweh Elohim in a physical body. That would make him Yahshua. Outside of a physical body, when he's appearing to people in visions and in dreams, he's Yahweh Elohim in that super incorporeal shape and form. So I'm going to have you read just a few more scriptures in the 11th verse, and then we're going to go back to uh, the 12th chapter. I'm sorry. By Yahshua, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because Yahweh had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased Yahweh. But without Yahshua, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to Yahweh must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Okay, that's enough of chapter 11. Now, that sixth verse is very powerful if you think about it. And the way Dr. Craig read it, it said, but without Yahshua, it is impossible to please Yahweh. Why? Because Yahshua, the Messiah, is the only acceptable sacrifice to Yahweh. We always say, if, if, if Yahweh is not in you, then Yahweh is not going to, Yahweh is not going to have you. If you're his son, his, the Holy Spirit has to be in you. That's what our doxology dictates. You know, now to him who is able to keep you from falling, who him? Yahshua the Messiah as the Holy Spirit in you is the only one that can keep you from falling. So when Dr. Meyer started talking about that scepter, Yahweh had me think, okay, think from a spiritual standpoint what that scepter is. That scepter is the Holy Spirit in you. As Dr. Meyer said, we have the authority. It's Yahshua in us that has that authority, that has given us the authority to preach this gospel because only the sons of Yahweh who have Yahshua the Messiah in them are going to stand bold and say, no, we're going to continue to preach this gospel. We don't care what you say. And that in, uh, the textbook where he brought up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that was exactly their testimony. And get that for me, Dr. Craig. I think that is actually had it in the textbook, didn't we? That is, uh, where is it? Sorry about that. That is the Daniel story. 6 and 1. Yes, Daniel 6 and 1, please. So what I'm trying to convey, and, and I, like I said, I'm asking you now to put my words in order so I can and bring it through clearly, clarify my thoughts is that that rod that Dr. Myers was talking about, I actually looked it up in Strong's and scepter means to branch off. We are, remember, Yahweh are, is, Yahshua is divine, we are the branches. We are branching off from Yahshua the Messiah. So we, the scepter that was a physical thing back then is a spiritual thing now. That scepter who is Yahshua the Messiah is in us. So pick up that, um, pick that scripture up for me in Daniel. Daniel 6 and 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Mm -hmm. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Now, the reason it pleased the king to set a Daniel over them was because before Daniel had interpreted another dream that he had. 
So Daniel found favor with the king, but other people didn't like that. And that's why we're getting into this next story. Go ahead, Dr. Craig. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because mm -hmm. an excellent spirit was in him. That's right. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Mm -hmm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Now that's what, that's another thing Dr. Myers mentioned. And like I said, Yahweh ties all this together. Now what we're dealing with is trying to shut us down for preaching the gospel. See what your what your enemy will do will tr is try and find fault. They're trying to find fault. You can't find any fault with the gospel. The gospel stands alone and by itself. It doesn't need any help. The gospel is the truth, period. So you're going to try and find fault some other way. Well, you're using this and you shouldn't be, and we don't want to be on YouTube, so we don't want you to be on YouTube, whatever. So that's those enemies that are trying to find fault with the sons of Yahweh Elohim. But as our previous speaker stated, they're not going to prevail. Why? Because that rod or scepter is in those sons of Yahweh, and he will always be the one that prevails. So keep reading, Dr. Uh, Craig. Then said these men, we shall mm -hmm. not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his Elohim. See, they can't find any fault with the gospel. So they got to find something else. It's the same thing. It's the same soup warmed over. So when you when you know, and this is why it's important to know the law and the prophets, when you know the law and the prophets and you know the outcome, you're not fearful right now. I, re I remember when uh, an email was sent out when they first started trying to shut us down and and the brethren said, sent the email out, said, be okay. Don't, don't be fearful. Don't be scared. Yahweh has this. Why were they able to say that? Because they knew the law and the prophets and they knew Yahweh's mode of operation. He has always prevailed. He will never not prevail. So it's okay. And that's what you have here with the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Go ahead. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King mm -hmm. Darius live forever. Mm -hmm. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Mm -hmm. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Now I'm gonna have you skip down, but I'm gonna say right there. Now, the king didn't know that these enemies of Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were having him make this decree in order to punish them. They, he didn't know that. So he signed it and going, okay, it sounds like a good idea you know, not understanding what they were trying to do. But see, once again, Yahweh always prevails. They think they were prevailing. It was Yahweh that was prevailing. So uh, go down, um, Dr. Craig, to where he is about to put them in a fiery furnace and Daniel speaks up and says, uh, gives his discourse and why he's not afraid. 16, then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Mm -hmm. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy Elohim, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. 
and a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Mm -hmm. And the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting, neither were instruments of music brought before him and his sleep went from him. Now, I'm sorry, I need you to go back to where before he places them in the furnace, uh, where Daniel tells him, you know, uh, we will not be careful how we say this. I think you passed it. I think the story of the furnace is in the third chapter. Oh, is it? Okay. So go ahead to the third chapter. I'm sorry, Dr. Craig. No problem. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I need to get to that. Verse 16. Okay. Daniel 3 and 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so... I'm our... sorry, Dr. Craig. Go back to the 15th verse because there's a real powerful um, 15. question. Now, if you be have. ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that Elohim that shall deliver you out of my hands? Pause right there. So isn't that what we're dealing with now? We have threatenings, ceased and desist, if you don't stop, we're going to do this. Same thing, same story, just different age, different manifestation. Story doesn't change. The outcome will not change. Keep reading. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Or in other words, we're not going to bite our tongue. We're not going to be disrespectful, but we're going to be bold and say to you what we know we should say. Go ahead. If it be so, our Elohim, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, mm -hmm. and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. That's right. So once again, Think about where we are today. The same thing is happening. We will not stop preaching the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. Why? Because it is life to us. Dr. Myers was saying before we started, sometimes you just can't wait to get in the class. Even though we're virtual now, you can still feel the spirit coming through in these calls and you, you commune with the brethren and you just look forward to it. Why in the world would we stop? This is all we have. All we have is this gospel. This is the only sure thing we have in our life in this crumbling world. So no, we're not going to stop. We're not going to be careful. We're going to continue to preach the gospel of Yahshua, the Messiah. Why? Get 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, Dr. Craig. Why? Because we have this, that scepter is now within us. And that scepter is Yahshua, the Messiah. That's the authority that we have. Um, if you have that scripture, pick it up for me. Second Corinthians 10 and 4. Mm -hmm. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, mm -hmm. but mighty through Elohim to the pulling down of strongholds. Yes. 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of Yahweh and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of the Messiah. Now think about, think about that when you read that. See, Yahweh is going to bring everything in subject to him, including those that look to stop the preaching of the gospel will be subject unto Yahweh. How do you know that? Wasn't Pharaoh drowned and killed in the sea? You know, you keep going back through all the stories and kings. I love kings. I tell you, you want to get violence, you read kings. But in all those stories, Yahweh always brings those enemies unto, in, unto subjection to him through his son, Yahshua Messiah, or the Holy Spirit. That has not changed, and it's not going to change. That's why we should not be fearful of what they're trying to do. And another thing one of the speakers said before we started class was, we wonder if the, if the, the classes that are still preaching the gospel that are doing these Zooms are going to coordinate somehow and, you know, maybe have our names coordinate or something. And I told him, you know what, Yahweh had that on my mind as well. It, so that means it probably will happen. Why? Because it has to show unity unity of the spirit, unity of the body, unity of the members of the body, which is Yahshua the Messiah. If we are all of one body, then we are going to be unified. We already are because we're still preaching the gospel, but it's going to show forth in this crazy world that we're living in. So our weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. As long as we're preaching the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah and we're keeping it like it was given to Dr. Kinley, then we have nothing to worry about. You just keep preaching and you let Yahweh handle everything else. That's, it's not our fight. It never has been. It's Yahshua's fight. He has already got that satanic spirit under his, on, his, on that chain, that short little chain that he has him on. Yahweh has the ability to do all things. And we know that. And we have to believe that and understand that. So now, Dr. Craig, go back to Hebrews 12th chapter. I don't remember where you left off, but go ahead and start back at one. Because all, we're, all I wanted to do was tie up what Dr. Myers talked about with the scripture lesson and to show you that everything that we do, because we have the spirit of Yahshua the Messiah and we do these things for the glorification of Yahweh and the name of Yahshua the Messiah, it won't fail. It's when you start teetering off and going about and trying to prop up yourself or someone else that's when you start to see things crumble. So Yahweh will always be the master and ruler and the captain of our fate, as, as that old bumper sticker used to say. But go ahead and read uh, chapter uh, 12, Dr. Craig, and I'll be down. Hebrews 12 and 1. Mm. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, mm -hmm. let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, when you run with patience, that's a marathon. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Keep going. Looking unto Yahshua, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of Yahweh. For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of Yahweh, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. 
Now, why, why shouldn't you? Why, why should you not get mad when Yahweh chastises you? Keep going, it'll tell you. For whom Yahweh loveth, he chasteneth. Because he loves you. Don't you do that with a child? If a child runs out into the street, you, you, you know, you lose your mind. You, you're, you're grateful when they don't get hit, but you, don't you do that again. You know, you, you love that child. Yahweh loves us. That's why he chastises us, because he doesn't want us to continue in our error. Keep going. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Mm -hmm. If ye endure chastening, Yahweh dealeth with you as sons. So if he scourged every son that he receiveth and he chastised you, that means you're a son. Isn't that beautiful? So don't, and it'll say it, I'm, gonna, I'm getting ahead of myself. Don't, don't have the hands bowed down and feeble, feeble knees. Go ahead, Dr. Craig. If ye endure chastening, Yahweh dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards Correct. and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. That's right. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see Yahweh. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of Yahweh, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Let me start that again. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of Yahweh lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For ye are not come unto the mount that might not be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so, much as the beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through in the dark. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living Elohim, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. So, so think about that. You've come to the true Yahweh Elohim. He has revealed himself to you. Not only has he revealed himself to you, but he has allowed you to accept it and to maintain it. Why? Because he gave you proof and evidence. 
And you love that proof and evidence. That is what established your faith. That was that Hebrews 11 and, and 12 that we're reading now. So that's what you've come to. Keep reading. To the general assembly and congregation of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to Yahweh, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Yahshua, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. So don't turn away this gospel. Don't turn away. It's the truth, and you know it's the truth. Stand fast. Stay on the path that Yahweh has laid out for us. There is a reward for that. Keep reading whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Now the heaven that he's shaking is within those individuals that will no longer hear or want to preach the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, those that have been told the truth, who accepted the truth, and now have turned away. They are going to be shaking and quaking. But when you, when the universal revelation of Yahshua the Messiah is come, we will be in, in the bosom of the Father, just like um, Abraham was in the bosom of the Father and just enjoying all that peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. So I, you know, I hope that wasn't too jumbled. It was just that once that scripture lesson was read and Dr. Mag Myers went into what he went into, it just blew me away how Yahweh tied that together. But I've always said Yahweh always amazes me, but he never surprises me because he is an awesome Elohim. He has always been the one that has been able to do exceedingly and far above any and everything that we've always, that we even dream of. So I, I thank you so very, very much for the time. And I apologize if that was jumbled. And if you got anything out of it, please give all your honor and glory to Yahshua the Messiah. And I'll say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Hamilton. And for our next speaker, we're happy to call on from our Green Bay, Wisconsin class, Dr. Roxanne Russo. Dr. Ro Dr. Russo? Uh, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed um, the first two speakers and what Yashua has brought out in um, this class. Um, well, in every class, but this class was, it was just a lot. There's a lot to be brought out, and hopefully Yash will just tell me where to go, because I've been thinking a lot um, with this rod of authority and how it ties into um, the scripture reading. Um, so this mountain, oh gosh, let me see, where can I go with this? Um when the first speaker was talking about this this rod and he was um, given the example at the time of Moses when the rod um, uh, swallowed up uh, Janies and Jamborees and um, how that rod also um, was the rod of salvation, if I can put it that way, when they had to stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. Um, when Moses lifted up that rod and the, and the waters were divided, 
um, that was salvation unto the children of Israel. So I was looking at how this rod is actually salvation and how this rod is Yahshua and that this rod was um, from the tribe of Judah, which is the lineage that um, Yahshua came down through. And one of the things um, that came to my mind um, uh, is that Yahshua himself is that rod. And if we can get, um, I was thinking about how Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And I was thinking, um, and those that had to look up at it, um, and they were bit, uh, and if they were bitten, um, oh, where is that? Does anyone know where that is? Um, I think. Um, Um, oh boy. Exodus, I'm all the way in Genesis. I'm yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I know where they had to, um, just before, um, numbers, let's try numbers 21. 21. You said numbers 21 and 21 and nine, 21 and nine. Okay. Thank you. Let's pick That's, it up at eight. If you don't mind. Sure. Numbers 21 and eight. And Yahweh said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. Mm -hmm. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a certain had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, what I was thinking about was how Yahshua being that rod or that serpent that was that's here, um, in numbers that it's talking about, and this was just before they were going over into the River Jordan, okay? Now, when we go back into the scripture reading, um, mm -hmm. um, it's talking about chastisement. Mm -hmm. And let's just go back to um, the scripture 12. reading. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Hebrews 12 and 7. If ye endure chast, excuse me, if you endure chastening, Yahweh dealeth with you as with sons. Mm -hmm. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Mm -hmm. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. See, now, you have to endure, the sons of Yahshua will endure chastisement. They will, ensure, they will endure being bitten. Right. Um, and that being bitten or that enduring of chastisement is unto the salvation of a soul. This whole purpose is about the salvation of a soul. And I was thinking about how we endure that chastisement. And then you brought about how Yahshua is that faith. And we talk, and in the scriptures, it talks about how Yahshua is that um, true and faithful um, so, witness, I think it's, it, it, it says. But Yahshua is that one that causes us to endure the chastisement. He's the one that if they were to get bitten, that they were going to be saved back at that time before they crossed over the River Jordan. Okay? Now, in Yahshua, in this Numbers, the 21st chapter, Yahshua is correlating himself as that serpent. He's that fiery serpent. And um, the mystery of iniquity 
his deception is real poison. And when you've been bitten by that doctrine, you, you, it won't bother you. It won't bother you because Yahshua has, has you say, you know, has your, your eyes have been opened. You, it, it can't affect you anymore. Okay. So, um, the other thing I was thinking about with that salvation, when we go back to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, mm-hmm. about that rod of salvation, because we have that rod going all the way down through the scriptures. And that rod, Yahshua, you can pick it up where Yahshua um, is of uh, the Melchizedek priesthood. And, and that rod is in that Melchizedek priesthood and that Yahshua is of that Melchizedek priesthood, okay? Mm-hmm. And if we can go back to the scripture reading, mm-hmm. um, uh, and let's go back to the mountain that can't be touched. And while you do that, I'm just going to mute myself real fast because I have to yell at my dog. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's Hebrews 12, and I'll start at uh, 17. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Mm-hmm. But ye are not coming to the mount that might be touched, and right. that burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they heard, which, excuse me, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. See, this was the children of Israel when they were at that mount, and they were, they were afraid when Yahweh spoke, they were afraid of that at that mountain. When Yahweh spoke in that law, that was a law of do and don'ts. You know, there wasn't, they didn't have the heart in them. Or in other words, they didn't have that rod of authority or that rod of salvation right within their hearts and, and minds as Felicia was talking about. And, and um, but now we come on to a different mount. Can you can continue on? Yes. That is a 19th verse and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard and treated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. See, now they but didn't they have, the, I'm sorry. They didn't want that word spoken to them anymore. They didn't have the heart in them to listen or to be obedient unto Yahweh. But we've come on to a mount or we have, Yahshua in us now and I'm getting ahead of myself we've come on to a different mount where we want to hear the word because he has given us the heart his heart to be able to hear the word so continue on so they didn't want to hear what was being spoken onto them anymore they were afraid continue on Mm -hmm. so uh, 20th verse for they could not endure that which was commanded and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And see, they couldn't endure that which was commanded. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do it. That mm-hmm. whole thing back there and all the way down through the law and the prophets, that is a shadow and an example, just as that rod that, that came all the way down that you, you find back in Genesis already, and that rod coming out of the tribe of Judah, all of that and everything is pointing out Yahshua. And the first speaker did a beautiful job of mm-hmm. running the rod down. And I, I had so many other th- 
things going through my mind about that rod, but I want to just kind of stick to this one point. Mm -hmm. So they, they couldn't endure that which was commanded. They didn't want to hear the word anymore. Okay. That, that was, it was not put in them to do that. In other words, Yashua was not in them yet. So it wasn't in them. So continue on. Mm -hmm. 21st verse. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake, mm -hmm. but ye are come into Mount Zion. See, and now it's saying, but ye are come mm -hmm. on to Mount Zion. Mm -hmm. We didn't come on. We weren't there at the time of the children of Israel when Yahweh was speaking onto them from the mount, which mm -hmm. they didn't, they couldn't endure him. Mm -hmm. They couldn't, um, they didn't have the ability to um, listen to the commandments, that which was commanded. They didn't have the ability um, to love him at this mm -hmm. point, you know. Mm -hmm. But now we um, are come on to Mount Zion, continue on. But ye are coming to Mount Zion and into the city of the living Elohim. Now we come on to the city of the living Elohim. Mm -hmm. And why is it saying living Elohim? Because from Adam all the way down to Yahshua, when Yahshua went through his death, burial, and resurrection, there was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That mm -hmm. Holy Spirit is now the living Elohim that is in us. And I think it was Felicia that was talking about how Yahshua, when he was manifested in the flesh, that was just a manifestation of Yahweh or Yahweh Elohim. But now mm -hmm. in the scriptures, you'll find that Yahshua prayed to the prayed that a comforter was going to come in his name. Mm -hmm. So now you have Yahshua as that quickening spirit or that life-giving Elohim or that life-giving spirit. That's the Mount Zion or the city that we have come onto, the one that is life-giving now. Mm -hmm. Continue on. Mm -hmm. But ye are coming to the Mount Zion and to the city of the living Elohim, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. See, and we've come on to heavenly Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Back at the time of the children of Israel, Canaan's land was a piece of land, physically so, but that was representing the heavenly Jerusalem that we were that we are coming on to. That's the inheritance, mm -hmm. or that's the, the the tenth aim to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah. We have come on to that heavenly Jerusalem, and I was thinking it, today. I was looking out, and and you guys being in Michigan, you have all the snow like I do here in Green Bay, and. I was looking at all the whys in the trees that are literally exposed because all the trees are bare. And I'm thinking, what a mystery that Yahshua has revealed unto us. You know, revealed the whys, revealed his name, revealed that the law and the prophets were pointing out to him, revealed in, in the scripture here that we've come on to Mount Zion in the city of a living Elohim. We've come on to heavenly Jerusalem with an innumerable company of angels. These were things that we did not know. These are things that, that just fill us with joy and with peace and with comfort and tears of happiness. We, and we won't say like they did with the children of Israel, don't speak to me no more. We speak, speak to me more. 
give me more, give me more, you know, you know, just speak to me, Mm -hmm. keep giving me more, keep feeding me, you know. So we've come onto that city of the living Elohim. We're no longer dead. From Adam onto Yahshua, mankind was all dead. They were dead in their hearts and minds. But when Yahshua poured out that Holy Spirit onto mankind and that Pentecost is still continuing on, we have now come to the living Elohim because now he is alive right within us. He's alive right within our hearts and our minds. So if we can continue on, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so mm-hmm. pretty that he yes. has chosen us yes. to be a part, to, to be a part of him, to mm-hmm. be in that city or in that kingdom. And you re- read in Revelations how that kingdom is, you know, is being set up with the stones and the 12, um, the 12 tribes and the 12 um, disciples or apostles and mm-hmm. all the, the, um, the, the rubies and pearls and all the, the different stones. And that is actually, can we just get that real quick? That's in Revelations. Um, uh, actually, let's not. Let's just continue on here. That's like one of my favorite scriptures, like, holy moly. (laughs) So we've come on to the city of the living Elohim, the heavenly Jerusalem. He's alive right within our hearts and minds. And that is a great mystery. That is not something that we were privy to before Yahshua entered into our hearts and minds. That's right. You know, I listened to Graham's son, grandson, whoever it is, and his advertising and praying that they, you know, just pray that Jesus will come in your heart and mind. But yet and still, they're still looking for him to come. They haven't a clue. But Yahshua has opened up this mystery onto us that you pick up in uh, Colossians 1 and 27, I I think it is, um, to whom Yahweh uh, will make known, I think, what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, Yahshua in you. I think it's Mm -hmm. something like that. You know, um, Colossians 1. That's it. 1 and 27. Colossians 1 and 27. To whom Actually, Yahweh mm-hmm. would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Yahshua the Messiah in you, the hope of glory. That's the hope of glory. That is the mystery. And that among the Gentiles, because it was given to the, you know, um, the chart that has the the um the ordinance on it the the old testament and the new testament how pentecost was given to there we go how that promise was fulfilled with the jews at the time of pentecost and then later it was given to the gentiles and were those gentiles that have been grafted in and that mystery has been given that yahshua in us is the hope of glory That's the living Elohim that has now entered the hearts and minds. That's the heavenly Jerusalem that has entered the hearts and minds. And we are partakers of that. We have been grafted in. And what a mystery that has been opened up among all the other mysteries that have been opened up. Thank you unto us. It's a beautiful love story. Um, Let's just pick it up. Continue on with 23. Hebrews 12 and 23 Mm -hmm. to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven and to Yahweh, the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Mm -hmm. 
Right, continue on. And to Yahshua, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. And see Yahshua, the mediator of the new covenant, which is Yahshua in you, or that is the comfort in you. That's the city of the living Elohim in you. That's heavenly Jerusalem in you. That is your peace and your comfort. And it's to the blood of the sprinkling of Yahshua that, see, when Yahshua, he is after the order of Melchizedek, and we don't have time to get into it, but when you go in there and you read about Melchizedek, um, the priesthood of Melchizedek, that's a priest um, that's different than the high priest that was given back at the time of the children of Israel. And there was the sprinkling of Yahshua's blood that now has allowed mankind to be atoned back onto the Father. And that's, oh, I was thinking about the gathering, um, how he's, actually, that's right in the scripture, isn't it? How he's going to gather everything in heaven and earth. Um, Maybe it's not in the scripture, but it's through Yahshua. That was the atonement for man for all of mankind. They didn't have the city of the living Elohim back then. They didn't have that rod of salvation, which you run all the way down through the scriptures. Yahshua, that Holy Spirit, is now that rod in you that causes you to walk upright. That's why you pick up in Jeremiah and Ezekiel that he will write his law right within our hearts and our minds, and he will cause us to be obedient unto him. He is now that judge, that not that judge, that rod of authority right within our hearts and our minds. Mm-hmm. Did so, you want Ephesians 1 and 10? Sure. Okay. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, mm-hmm. he might gather together in one all things in Yahshua, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Right. So in the fullness of time, he's going to gather everything in Yahshua. He's going to gather everything in heaven and earth in Yahshua. And, oh, gosh, and it's going to go back unto the Father. And just as that rod, um, Aaron's rod was the one, was the rod that was in the tabernacle pattern in the most holy place. So when everything is gathered back um, through Yahshua and put back and given back to the Father, that's Yahshua. That's that rod. That was the purpose of that rod, Aaron's rod, being put in the tabern in the not the tabernacle well it was in the tabernacle but in the most holy place I'm a, a loss of words in the ark of the covenant right yeah the ark um yes yes the mercy, yes mm-hmm. and it was put in there and it bud That's Aaron's right. rod budded when it was in there Yahshua is being fruitful and he's taking the fruit and he's taking it back and it's all being gathered Everything's being gathered in Yahshua, and it's, he's taking it back onto the Father. And that's why Aaron's rod had to be in there in the most holy place, because Yahshua is that rod, and, and it bare fruit, it budded. And Yahshua gathering everything in heaven and earth, he's that rod that is being fruitful, has budded, and he's taking everything back to the Father, right back to the, the most holy place. Right. Um, so with that, um, I appreciate the time, and I really appreciate um, you guys allowing me to sit and listen into your classes and 
all I have to say is I just thank Yashua every day that he has allowed these Zoom classes. And I love hearing that Yashua always will prevail. He always says it's it's a fixed fight. <laughs> the mystery of iniquity. He is never going to prevail, and I love it. <laughs> As Felicia had said, I think it was the second speaker said that. And I'm like, oh, I love it. So with that, all praises and glory and honor and just thank Yashua so much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Russo. This brings an end to this evening's class. We would like to thank all our speakers, visiting brethren, and all other participants for joining us this evening. We hope that everyone was edified and ask that you come back and study with us. We hold classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. as Eastern Time, and on Sundays from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. We would like to ask everyone to remain muted until the host has indicated that the recording has stopped. We will now have doxology taken from the last two verses in the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all times, now and ever. Let us all say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.